surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this show is brought to you by OS First, my favorite sock and compression brand company. It's cold, man. It is cold. We talk about this in today's episode with Kara Hep. But man, this past week and weekend, I am so glad that I had OS First on my side. My feet have been nice and toasty for my runs with a real feel of six degrees and less and sometimes way less. And it has not been an issue. My feet have felt great and they don't get all wet and icy. And it just the whole thing has been remarkable. It's so easy to see why some of America's top ultra runners like Catra Corbett really trust this brand. And now I do too. They, are, they just are absolutely phenomenal. You can find them at a lot of mom and pop and independent running stores. That's a great place to shop for them. You can also find them on their website, osfirst.com. That's O. S1ST.com, and you can use code Rambling Runner to go save some dough also. Uh, so, whether you're going to an independent store or their own website, go check out OS First. They are really the gold standard in socks and compression attire. So, today's episode, like I just said, is with Kara Hep. Kara is a really fun person to talk to. I've known her for a while. She is kind of like a a typical runner that this whole podcast is made for because she is not running like these amazing, amazing times. She's certainly fast. She's faster than I am. That's for sure. But what makes her remarkable is her consistency, her grit, her ability to stick with running and to do so in this unbelievably humble and lighthearted way. And we talk about a lot of things in this episode. Uh, She lives in Minnesota. So I just talked about how cold it is for me. It's a lot colder for her. So we talk about that and how she braves the winter because she likes to run outside and what that's what that's like. And not only in terms of how to gear up for that, uh, both in terms of attire and just mentally and emotionally preparing for that, but also what it's like to, to find a running friend or friends that can help you get out the door and can really help you, you know, get to the next level. And that was a big part of this too. And Kara has an extremely well-rounded life. There's just a lot to what she's doing every day from her job and her kids and her running and her film philanthropic work in her community and her church. There's just a lot there. And she's able to still go after her goals with a plum. And I couldn't wait to get her on this episode. So let's get into it with Kara Hep. Hello, Kara, and welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. <laughs> I'm excited to chat with you. This is going to, this will be, this will be really fun. So you are someone who I look up to as a fellow runner, because you're doing such crazy things as a runner, you, you know, you, you, you're balancing the kids, you got a job, you have this active, like, social life, where you have, like, stuff in your town <laughs> that you're associated with, you have, you know, quality friends. I look at my life and I look at you and I'm like, I need to level up in all oh, the gosh, ways no. <laughs> what Kara is doing. And, you know, we've known each other for a while. And I'm just so excited to chat with you about about all the things, basically. Yay, I'm excited, too. All right, so let's just start with this morning. So this was not exactly where I intended to leave off, leave off today, but this is kind of in the, the same topic that I was. Def- I definitely wanted to talk to you about. So when I say this morning, today here in the Northeast, it's abnormally cold. So it was 
I think when I went out for my run two hours ago, it was, so it was, so the sun was out, but with that said, it was still, it was eight degrees and it was negative seven wind chill, which like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm literally 40 years old. I turned 40 last week. My mom actually called me yesterday. She's like, please don't go running tomorrow. I'm like, it's going to be fine, mom. It's 40 years fine. old. I, can, I, I still know how to put on a coat, but, um, but this is like, that's just par for the course for you. And, um, and you're, and we'll talk about this too. Like your, your best running friend, Jen, this is just a normal winter morning. So talk to me about, about just, just, you know, about how you and Jen, I guess, ultimately, like this doesn't phase you. Like you've just embraced <laughs> this part of the running journey. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you it. um, I don't know if it doesn't phase us. It's always a decision, right? It's always a 4.30 wake up, but you look at your app and your weather and you're like, okay, what do I need to plan for or prep for? How many layers? <laughs> um, but I think um, I think the key thing here is that we do have each other. <laughs> so that makes it, uh, you know, getting out the door a little bit easier um, because you have that account- accountability factor to it. Um, but I think with that being said, everything is relative. So, you know, if I were to look at my weather app in October and say, oh my gosh, it's 18 degrees out. I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's super, super cold. But in January, 18 is a great day. That's a great morning to get out there with no wind. So, um, as the winter progresses, I think your mindset just changes from, oh my gosh, should I do this to, okay, how do I do this? Um, and that's just how many layers do I need? I need for the morning. So that's a, so you brought up a, a bunch of great points there. So on days where you don't have a running partner, do you notice the difference in yourself in terms of just like the morning of motivation? Like you know, four four thirty comes early. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, you'll I'll normally do like a late afternoon or a noon because then I find myself kind of jumping into work right away versus getting out the door. So that's why we both are like super thankful that we have each other because it's one thing that we can knock off in the morning um, together, um, which is, which just sets your whole day up. Yeah. And like pushing it off to like the lunch break or mid afternoon, like it sounds great in the moment. And like, Man, like I know one procrastinates like Matt Chittam. So I don't know. Maybe this doesn't <laughs> pertain to you. I know you're a very driven person, but like as soon as I make that choice, like my chance of doing a run goes down by like a third. <laughs> Even if like I feel like my run will be better and I'll enjoy it more, the chance of it actually happening go down even with those factors coming into play. Yeah, no, I determined absolutely, but I tend to procrastinate on things just as much as anybody else. So yeah, it's like a a two, two thirty. Oh my gosh, I have to pick up my kids in an hour or my kid from daycare an hour. The other ones get off the bus now, anyways. Um, hey, I need I only have an hour to get this in. You have to get out the door. So it's like the make or break moment. You need to do this or you're done. <laughs> or it's a treadmill at late at night or something like that. Oh gosh, the treadmill late at night. That's the worst. I mean, as bad as like the morning, oh, the morning there. cold runs are, the treadmill after I the kids know. go to bed is, is, is like good, good grief. Mm-hmm. I've definitely been there though, many times. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So you said something interesting before you said that you check, you wake up and you check the weather. Um, does that mean that you don't plan the night before? Cause for me, that is like an integral step. Like if I'm going to make a successful 
get out the door by 5 a.m. adventure? Um, so I do, but it it can change, especially with the wind. The wind, especially when it gets cold like this, can change things so much, like by 10 degrees. So, and really, I think like for the steps for me, um, I will have like certain indicators with the temperature as far as how many layers or what types of layers I'm going to put on. So it's really, um, you know, it's really about, you know, what's the wind like? And I'll tell you, so just on, oh, when was it? Tuesday, maybe, or Monday, um, we checked or I checked the weather the night before. So I had just like the minimum laid out. Um, And then the morning of, it was supposed to be two degrees and then your wind chill knowing you're going to go below zero, which is fine. But then we woke up and it was nine degrees with no wind. So things just, you know, obviously changed overnight. So I always just have kind of those game day decisions of, um, do I go with my puffer coat or do I go with my wind coat or do I put a buff on? Do I, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think for and where we live, it's like, it's, we're definitely talking about like a 20 to 25 degree weather uh, temperature, like difference between the two of us. So for me, it's, it's more of like, all right, do I wear like the light track pants versus like the tights? is like the differentiation or like, do I wear like, um, like a thermal, like, like a, like a tight, like thermal underneath as a base layer, or do I do like a nice lighter base layer, um, with like, with like the coat. And now when you're going through like the different alterations that you have to go through, what are some of the staples that you have to choose between? Like, I, I feel like this, I don't know, not, not, not like you're like living in Alaska, but this is really <laughs> cold. And I knew this already, but like, I love like the fortuitousness of like my run today. Cause it like, it really like highlighted the difference for me. Like, wow. Like, and I was lucky enough that the sun was out. Cause that can make such, I mean, it doesn't make a difference. Like if you're running away from the sun, but when you're running into the sun, like you notice the difference drastically. Um, so what are some of the, the, like the go-to items for you that if you had like, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, one of your, one of your kids like threw all like your clothes out the window and like they're swept up in a hurricane. Like you had to keep like five things from a running perspective. You're like, all right, we we have to keep these suckers behind. Yeah. So for winter, it'd be fleece, um, my fleece leggings, no matter what. Um, and then I would keep my fleece, um, um, turtleneck, long turtleneck. And the key that, um, I've learned over the years is that my base layer is always, always, always tucked in. There is nothing worse than a cold, like the wind just getting up in your jacket and you have a cold stomach or a cold back. It just makes everything worse. So it's always the underlayer tucked in. Um, and then uh, a pair of good mittens is are definitely stables for me. Yeah, mittens, man, like they, they change everything. So I wore mittens today. I usually wear gloves. So I wore them in today and they're not even, they weren't even like that thick. They actually like on the inside of them, like on the palm, it was like a really thin mesh. Like it wasn't even insulated really, which was like actually nice. Cause I was like, you know, cause I was getting like perspiration on, on my face a little bit. So I could like, it's not like a nylon where like you try to wipe it off and it like doesn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It just kind of yeah. spreads it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't then get you have absorbed. salt everywhere when you're all done. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if I like if I wipe my face with like the outside of the mitten, that's what would happen. It would just push it to a different like a, like a kid with vegetables moving <laughs> yes. them across the plate. So like because I had like the inside actually worked out mm-hmm. pretty well. And then, but like I was shocked at how warm my hands were. 
like by the end, like these weren't even like super thick mittens. Like they were, they were fine, but they weren't like if I, you know, worked outside at a job that I would want to use. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I yep. was just, I was shocked. I was like, wow, this is, this really is such a difference versus like even thick gloves. It doesn't even compare. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping your fingers together is huge when it comes to just um, kind of staying warm. And then the last thing I forgot about, though, is your socks. Like I always have to have um, my wool socks and I usually get like the mid. Um, I don't know what you call them. They're not like they don't go over your calves, but they don't go over your or they go above your ankles. So I always have those on top. Oh, okay. So kind of like the crew, the crew length. Yeah. Crew cut. There you go. Crew length. <laughs> yeah. Those, yeah, those work well. And those can make a, such a, such a big difference. Um, especially if you have lighter tights, like if you can wear thick socks that even go up higher, like it can, it can really change the game. Yeah. There's nothing worse than like having that little like ankle showing. I could, there's plenty worse. I shouldn't yeah. <laughs> it's a little, a little dramatic, mm-hmm. but <laughs> you definitely want the longer socks for sure. in the, in that cold weather. Yeah. I, I got a pair of socks. You know, this podcast is sponsored by OS first, so I'm, I'm giving them a little, little little free pub. But they have these um these merino wool socks. Yes. Which are nice because like they're definitely thicker, but they're not like wool wool socks that you would wear like, you know, you know, like so you see you're reading a book by like the fireplace. Like that's like what I'm envisioning like like <laughs> classical wool socks. Like mm-hmm. it's it's much more like athletic, but like super warm. Like it definitely made a difference for me. Yeah, I have two pairs of those, of the merino ones anyways, or merino wool type ones. So I love them. Yeah, that, that, that definitely works. All right, so let's talk about, you know, so an easy run in that, in, in that kind of weather is pretty, you know, it's pretty standard. So we should dive too much into it. I guess I would ask this, though, just no matter what kind of run, say it's, you know, so you get the early morning hour and then you have the cold. How does that affect your first two miles from like a pacing perspective and effort level perspective? There's no expectations and there shouldn't be. So it's really just about kind of getting out there and we just like trot. (laughs) We trot and we talk and we talk about how cold it is. We talk about like... (laughs) You know, all all the things I think, but basically there's no, I mean, especially on an easy run, there's no expectation to, to push it, um, with that. And I, I mean, I wouldn't want to anyways, um, within the first warm up miles. So. Okay. So, but you're not just doing warm ups, right? You're, you're, you're kind of in the beginning stages of marathon training and you've done other trainings and other winters in the past. So say you're going to do a, you know, a more structured, effort-filled run um, it's on tap, whether it's, you know, shorter stuff or, you know, longer segments of threshold pace or marathon pace or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, when it's that cold, like it was this week for you and other weeks as well, does it change the expectation of the run in those circumstances? Or how do you, how do you, how do you approach that sort of endeavor? Yeah, I think, well, I think it's similar to any kind of run or any, you know, even in the summer when you have hot weather, right? Like you're always, I always go into it with the fact that we'll just give this a roll and see how it feels. Obviously, this is the other way around. So um, I think earlier this week, I had a workout where there was actually kind of a lot of walk breaks in there. There are two minute walk breaks. I think I did a total of 23 minutes of walking um, and with, with some like high rep faster paces in there. Um, so I just went into it thinking, okay, if my muscles start to get tight, we'll just have to adjust. So maybe in that case, it was just going to be, you know, a minute, um, jog, you know, in a minute walk, 
um, or it's a minute jog and then, you know, a walking for 30 seconds or something like that, just adjusting and rolling with what the day brings you. Um, when it comes to that, usually though, I, I've always said this and it's like a mantra of mine though, our bodies literally can do amazing, amazing things. So even if I go out there with that kind of expectation of, oh, I'll just adjust your body like pulls through, you know, 95% of the time your body is able to do it. If you can just get your mind on board to it. So, um, but we can talk ourselves into something and we can talk ourselves right back out <laughs> if we think about it too much. So, yeah, that's for sure. And it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, in that situation that you've actually like curtailed the walk breaks and substituted the jogging breaks. Is that just to, ma- just to make sure to like keep your body temperature up? Is that the main reason? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't want to, cause I mean, you're walking for that long. I didn't want them to get too cold and um, stiffen up. And especially because in that workout, I wasn't like I was going into like a tempo pace. I was going into like rep pace and I was going into like, you know, hey, you got to hit the six fourteens. You got to hit the, you know, thing for, you know, 45 seconds. So I wasn't going from I felt like I was going from zero to 60, basically. And I didn't want it to like I didn't want anything bad to happen, but it was fine. I stayed warm. Hey, everybody, do you want to save money on your grocery bill? Well, every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Try America's Best Value Meal Kit for planning dinners today. I love every plate for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I just love having things in my kitchen, especially in my refrigerator, that isn't the same old thing that I do every single week. Also, getting things that aren't too adventurous that my kids are definitely going to eat. Obviously, you're never going to beat that a thousand with that. But with every plate, my kids have really enjoyed it. And I like the food as well. And it's just not the same stuff every single week, which can get tiring. So you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week, swap proteins and sides for things that you like, so you can switch up your dinner routine however you want. And that's the key thing. It's however you want. There's so many options, and it's all great stuff, which is also huge. For me, the difference between this and some of the other uh, services in this genre are, first of all, the price. It's absolutely fantastic. We'll get to it in a second. The kinds of meals that are provided, that they're really good but not too adventurous, have also been a huge thing for me. And now I've been using these more often now that groceries have kind of gone up and the price for every plate has pretty much stayed the same. So try every plate today. It's $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179. That stands for $1.79 per meal. So get started with every plate, like I said, for $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179 today. That's up to $104 value. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I heard other podcasters who were really into performance and athletics, people like Rich Roll and Tim Ferriss, who used it all the time. And I thought, hey, man, if they're going to use it, then I should too. And I'm so glad that I did. So what's in the stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all to help you start your day the right way. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, literally all the things. I mean, there's too many things for me to list. I actually have to like take a pause during the sentence, uh, but it's, it's legit and I'm so glad that I use it. I use it basically because I know that 
getting my vitamins and minerals from from foods is probably the best way to do it. But I usually just don't have the kind of diet and make the kind of food choices that's going to put myself in the optimum position. And that's why I take Athletic Greens to make sure that I have everything I need because I know I'm probably not getting it from foods because I just don't quite have the, the discipline or the food choices that I need. And Athletic Greens is there to help me out. And I'm so glad that they are. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So one of the nice things about the cold weather, at least for me, is that I have much less access to my watch. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's underneath different layers, or even if, like, I try to, like, finagle it, like, around, like, the gloves <laughs> or whatever, like, ultimately, you know, stuff gets shifted around, it gets blocked most of the time, right? And I'm like, if I have to, if I'm at, like, a four-way stop, I'm, like, messing with my arm to try to try to pause it somehow. But for a workout, I can definitely see there would be points where, like, this would be a positive in terms of, like, all right, like, I can kind of disconnect from what the watch says and just, like, do the intent of the workout. So what has been your experience with that sort of thing? Yeah, um, I, I would say a little bit of both. Um, I guess I never really thought about less access to watch or less access to seeing my watch. But you're right, because you have I usually have two layers that I'm going to have to try to mess with in, 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 in the short amount of time. Um, so I just am feeling for the vibrating or just doing the workout as it's intended. Um, if there is though, like, cause you had mentioned like, you're, you know, doing the workout as like the intention of the workout, like you're supposed to. So if there's paces that I have to keep in check, um, then I am, I mean, just like always, you, it is kind of a burden at that point in time. Cause you're like, I can't see cause my water, my jacket, I think it's right. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not a minute behind or a minute ahead type of thing. So I think it can kind of go both ways with that. So do you, it sounds like you like pre-program your watch then with your workout. I do. Yep. All right. So how, how does that work? I know that you, you run the VDOT system like with your coach, but does it automatically upload or do you have to like the night before kind of, you know, mess with it? Yeah. So it does automatically upload. Um, but I've kind of turned that feature off on sometimes it'll automatically upload all of like even the easy runs and stuff like that. So I'll, um, I have to go in and clear them all out some of the times, you know what I mean? Just to kind of create space. (laughs) And then, um, what I do typically is cause they on VDOT, they'll give you that range. And, um, for the pace that's prescribed and then, um, but the, the range is a little bit wider than, you know, I kind of like going off of. So it's either five seconds below or five seconds above is kind of that range that, that I'll create for myself. And that's why I program, program them in, um, which definitely works sometimes and is definitely, (laughs) um, a detriment. Cause like on Thursday, I, I had, uh, two sets of six. And then for the second set with a, at a different pace, I only programmed two in there. And so then I was like, oh crap, I'm out here. Now I have to like try to manual lap everything and talk about watch trouble with your jacket. That was definitely a situation where I had to run without a mitten to try to figure out how to <laughs> make it work, but just adjust. 
So have you ever come back from a run and been like, say like pleasantly surprised by the pace or have you been able to like generally over time, just get a really good feeling for like what your body feels like at certain paces where ultimately like, you know how the workout went before you even look at your watch. Oh man. I think that's a work in progress all the time. I think it depends upon the workout though, too. Um, I grew up playing soccer Uh, I played it since I was three all the way through college. So sprinting and those kind of quick efforts, I know that I'm pretty good at. Um, It's that middle of the ground, like the tempo and the um, uh, marathon pace actually (laughs) are things that kind of scare me um, when I get workouts like that on. So I just know I need to build my confidence with those. Um, But so... I usually can tell like on the quick efforts that I'm usually going to be just fine um, on and I don't necessarily pay attention to my watch very much. But when it comes to like tempo paces and marathon pace, I'll definitely be checking my watch a little bit more often to just kind of get a sense and a feel for it. Um, But I think I'll develop that over time. Um, I've only really been running, I think, for running marathon specific training for like three years ish, I think. So I think that just takes time. Yeah. Coming from that, that kind of sport background, I can totally see that. I've had the exact same experience for sure. Not that there's a lot of people who were like, <laughs> who were like, sit there like, yes, tempo runs. This is fantastic. Right. Uh, most people do prefer the shorter, faster stuff, mm-hmm. but I think there's definitely some people who are, um, like you and I, who are just much, much more inclined to do the fast stuff, um, than the more sustained efforts. Which begs the question, Kara, <laughs> what brings you to do the sustained marathon training, you know, three years ago when you got into it and now here you are doing it again, where you had that, that soccer background and you are used to doing shorter stuff. There's plenty of, you know, 5Ks and 10Ks out there. Why, why go towards the marathon end of the spectrum? Yeah, I, um, so after college soccer was over with, I just felt like I needed something And so I just started running recreationally. And then um, there was a half marathon in the town where I went to college. I'm like, oh, I'll give that a shot. 13.1 miles. We'll see how it goes. And that was actually my first kind of introduction into that was the first time where I was like, oh, my gosh, I just ran five miles for the first time or six miles or seven miles. And even though knowing like in a soccer game, you typically run that, but not at a sustained effort. And so it it was that kind of hitting those milestones of more, 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 um, not necessarily focused too much on pace at that point in time. Um, cause I had like a Timex watch and, or I was like checking the clock on the microwave before I left or something like that. Um, oh man, that brings me back. I have <laughs> yes. definitely done that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let's see. And then I have to like race up the stairs to try to figure out what my apartment <laughs> microwave clock said. So, um, yeah, cause you have to sit there in the kitchen and like, you have to wait for it to turn over. Yeah. You can't just like <laughs> glance at it on the way back, right. which is always so funny. Like, like, I in in retrospect, I sit there and I think about like why did I have to be that specific about some generalized <laughs> time? Like this I don't is not know. I was not going to get a real time on this thing. Why did I feel the need to like wait till it turned over? It just like in retrospect seems like so silly. Like I wasn't actually getting a time off this thing anyway. Um, but I always did wait until it clicked over, and then I would kind of bolt out of the house. 
Yes. And I even did that with the car. Like I'd be like, okay, turn the key, get out (laughs) and go. (laughs) So I don't know why, but yeah. So it was just like hitting those milestones that I started to become, or I just, it it felt awesome. It felt good. It felt like I was like accomplishing something um, that, or like these, the new kind of feeling for it. And so I just went up to like half marathon um, distance at that point in time. And after my first, I'm like, I felt like I was, I like conquered the world or something. I'm like, did you know I just ran 13.1 miles? <laughs> like, um, I felt awesome about it. And then, um, and then I got married and then I started having babies. Um, and I, um, kind of just ran here or there as like a half marathon here or there type of thing. Um, but then a year after my third, I, um, actually, uh, my cousin, she's like, Hey, I have this crazy idea for my 50th birthday. I want to run a marathon. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> Cause at that point I was actually weaning down from like breastfeeding. I just wanted something to do. I just wanted something for myself, I think. So I'm like, yes, I am in. Let's do this. So, um, so did she live near you? She, yeah. Well, she, yeah, she lived, um, yeah, I mean, nearish, like 35 minutes away. Okay, so were you guys going for runs or was this more like a solo endeavor that you guys would kind of like meet at the at the race? Yeah, nope, it was solo. Like we kind of ran a little bit together. Um, it's always so hard, I think. I think the hardest part about running with people sometimes, and especially at that point in time, was that um, we both had our different comfortable paces. And I'll tell you, I knew nothing about how to train for a marathon. It was... As so many guests on the show, it was the Hal Higdon, like novice one or something plan. I'm like, okay, let's just try this out. And I would run all of my runs at the exact same pace. Um, so it was, yeah, we didn't run too much together. It was just about, hey, how did your eight miler go today? That, you know, just kind of sharing the schedule. Yeah, I loved getting Hal on this episode. I mean, on yes. this episode, on this podcast. Yeah. Being like, hey, just so you know, every single person <laughs> I've ever talked to in my life has used your plan. Yes, I did listen to that episode. I'm like, yeah, me, I was one of them. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It's like, it's so much, it's so funny. It's like, I feel like he's probably more well known to like the amateur running community than like any pro runner in history. <laughs> You can be like, I would, hey, I would bet it. <laughs> who's Kara Goucher? Who's Hal Higdon? Be like, yeah. I, 50% of the people knew who Kara Goucher was and 99% knew who Hal Higdon was. <laughs> I can see that for sure. So, um, but yeah, after I did that, I did the marathon. I wasn't sure I wanted to like keep it going. Like it wasn't like instant. Oh my gosh, I want to do that again. It was more so I'm going to think on this a little bit. Like, and when I say a little bit, it was like a week. <laughs> And then I'm like, okay, I think I want to do another one. <laughs> um, so I actually um, randomly reached out to, to the woman I run with all the time, Jen, um, on Instagram. It was a, um, she knew somebody that I knew. So I reached out to the person that I knew and I said, hey, I see this woman runs. Do you think she would talk to me? <laughs> Because the thing I was most nervous about, I think, was um, I had three kids and I saw that she had two kids and she just had like this breakthrough race at grandma's marathon. And I'm like, I need to meet her um, because I want to figure out how she does this. Um, And so it was just a random message where I'm like, hi, my name is Kara. I live in the same town as you. 
can you meet me for coffee and talk about running? <laughs> oh man, this is like, it's funny. I reach out to people all the time for this podcast to mm-hmm. talk to people, but like just hearing you tell that story, like makes me so anxious. Yeah. And it's so different when you're like actually about to talk to someone in person. It's like this cold open. Oh man. How, how long did you sit on that email for? Or were you pretty like, you know, go get her, die hard. Like I'm going to, I'm going to send this thing. I really got to talk to this lady. No, I reread it like six times and I'm like, okay, <laughs> do I sound like an idiot or is this okay? I'm not sure. <laughs> but I was just, at the end of the day, I just pressed send and she, um, she actually replied like within, I can't even remember what it was like super quick. And she's like, yes, I'd love to. And so we met at the caribou coffee <laughs> and, um, um, and just actually ended up sitting there for an hour and a half, um, talking about the grandma's marathon and running, running with kids. And, um, and by the end of the conversation, she's like, Hey, I have a run on Wednesday. Do you want to run with me? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this girl just ran a sub three thirty marathon. I don't know if I can. <laughs> And then she's like, no, it won't be a big deal. And then um, so we ended up running together on that next Wednesday. And I was so nervous because I didn't think I was going to be able to talk and run at the same time. (laughs) And um, but it was it ended up being great. I mean, the rest is obviously history um, because she actually was played such an integral part in my motivation, I think, to. to keep going or to keep just, um, I don't know, it just provided me somebody to, I think, to kind of connect with and to, um, when you're, you know, if I have a bad workout or if I have, um, just like a, an awesome workout, I mean, she's usually the first person that I text. Um, so it just kind of gives you that team sense or that teammate type of feeling, which I was missing for sure since, since college soccer. Yeah, and you brought up a point earlier, which is an important one here, that it's, it's not easy to find. It's, it's easier to find people who will be supportive for you and excited for you and empathetic towards you in and, and other moments. It can be a little bit harder to find those people who also run the same pace as you and, and who live close enough to actually like get a run in with you, right? I think this is like why like if you live in an urban area, it can be a little bit easier in this regard because it's just the pool of people is, is, is bigger. Um, at least like within a walking distance or a very short drive or bike ride. But finding that person who's the same pace as you, tell, talk a little bit about just the value in that, um, just just holistically, just, you know, comprehensively from the easy runs to the workouts and, and everything in between. Yeah. So we've, we've, Jen and I have actually talked a lot about that because just how unique it is to find somebody that you can do that with. And, um, and we both, and, and I'll tell you though, we don't, easy runs are easier to run at just whatever pace your body is feeling and, um, you know, not really be focused too much on hitting different things. Um, but we also honor the fact that she, you know, her speed work, her tempos, her, um, V dot score. Cause she also uses, utilizes that training, um, 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 app. So, um, she's, she's ahead of me. So we, we honor the fact that we're going to do our speeds and everything. Everybody's just at a different place. So if you don't necessarily go into it with the expectation, like we're not competitors, we're just here, like we're friends, we're teammates, we're, we, we help each other. Um, we help each other kind of just train and go through it together, but know that when it comes down to it, we, we both have our individual goals and that's a okay. 
Right. And this is an important part because it's not as if like you guys are in two different, like two completely different worlds of speed. It's like you're pretty close. So I think it's sometimes it can be easier for people to be like, okay, this person's like, we're drastically different. So it also kind of eases that like social burden of like, I don't have to make a choice here. Like I obviously can't run with them or like they obviously can't run with me if we're speeding up. So like there isn't a choice to be made. Um, but sometimes when we're running with another person that's pretty close to us, mm-hmm. there can, especially if that person's a little faster than us, they can be like really, um, I don't know, attractive to try to speed up and try to run their workout. And, uh, you know, and certainly maybe there's a place for that every now and then, but obviously like maybe that's not a great long-term strategy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely not. I mean, I think, and I listen to podcasts just like, I feel like (laughs) among the best of them or books or whatever it is. And, um, that constant message is kind of like, you have to listen to your body and you have to kind of respect and trust the process. So we both have our different processes going on, uh, processes going on. (laughs) And, um, and so we have to be able to separate like, Hey, this is where I'm at, or this is where I'm, you know, this is where I'm at today. So, um, it's cool that we can though come together, especially for, you know, 80% of your workouts are easy workouts. So, or 80, you know, um, easy runs. So it's cool that we can come together and just be able to chat and run together and, um, truly, you know, get that easy, easy in. So let's talk about just like, fitting, running into all of it because you have a job, (laughs) you have three kids, Mm -hmm. you're running, like you're, I know you're active uh, at your church as well. So there's a a lot of stuff, right? Just having kids in a job can be a lot. (laughs) Never mind through like, you know, you you run over 40 miles a week and then you're active socially. For you, you know, and I'm not going to pretend like, all right, you're perfect at this and you never, there's never mistakes or anything, but (laughs) what, what is it, what do you feel like you try to do to enable you to, to get all of that in and do so in a way where it's not like a drag on your life, it's enhancing your life? Oh, I think that's like the golden question, right? Where people always talk about how do you balance? How do you balance? And I don't ever think there's, there's a, there's a perfect answer for it. And, and like you mentioned, oh my gosh, there's, it's definitely not a perfect life going on over here. Um, but I think for me, you know, those really early morning runs absolutely help. And I think they help to set the tone for the rest of the day. Um, but I'll tell you, especially during the pandemic, when I had two of my kids home with me, um, and I've worked from home out of my home office for, um, eight or nine years. So when they came home um, to from school, they were coming into my space <laughs> and my quiet home and <laughs> my work day. So it, it wasn't necessarily everybody having to make that shift. It was more so me having to make that switch from working and then trying to, because uh, they're younger, so trying to do like the on hand or sorry, um, more hands-on type of work. So um, as far as so people, especially during the pandemic, multiple people had said, well, why are you still running? Like there's no races going on. What do you, why, why do you still train or what are you, what are you doing basically? <laughs> um, but the running part of it or just the staying active part of it for me is like, because I have a ton on my plate running 
or having that time to myself is a way for me to organize that plate and make sense of that plate so that I can better take on the homework or the work demands or, you know, being an active member in my church, um, because I've always valued being part of a community. So I also know that that's something that I want my kids to also be a part of. And I, um, and I want to, um, honor that, how that makes me feel, because I'll know that I'll be a better person for that. And then, that'll translate into my mood, hopefully, <laughs> most of the time. So I don't know if I even answered your question there, but... <laughs> oh, no, you definitely did. You definitely did. All right. So I always ask this of all of the, the, the hyper early morning runners that come up on the show, and that is, when, when's bedtime? And like, what's <laughs> like the bedtime, like nighttime routine? Because you have like, obviously, you have like the routine with your kids, or maybe you don't have a routine with the kids. Maybe some parents don't. I know we need one. But um, you have like the, the kids time and then like, how do you make sure that like you're setting yourself up for success the next day? Yeah. So I value sleep. Um, that is something that you, if you ask my husband, that is like a, um, a non-negotiable. <laughs> um, so with us, we do have, um, we do have a routine. We don't have a ton of routines, you know, strict routines anyways in, in our house, but we do, bedtime is definitely one of them. So, um, after, you know, we have dinner and things like that, bedtime is normally around seven thirty, eight o'clock around here. So, um, you know, you're getting ready for bed and our oldest will read books in her bed and then we'll read to our younger kids. Um, and then <laughs> after that, I am in bed, uh, like I'm done for the day. So, um, it, uh, you know, again, you talk about balance and then I'm sure the question would come next. Well, when do you hang out with your husband um, and things like that? And so, um, you know, there's always going to be a trade-off to whatever you do, but getting to bed by, for me anyways, I mean, that half an hour in between the time we put the kids to bed, the time that I go to bed is kind of that time I would say, but, um, but I have to get sleep. Otherwise I am not a good person. (laughs) And that... (laughs) And that is, that is normally like around 8.30. So 8.30 or 8.30 is even pushing. I put my phone on do not disturb at eight o'clock. So I'm not like distracted. <laughs> so was that hard to embrace or have you always been an, an early, early to bed person? I have always been an early to bed person. So even on not running days, I'll tell you, I get up at four thirty, five o'clock. So that's like a tip. That's just the usual for me. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. One thing that I've noticed that you do, um, not just personally, but it seems like this is also kind of a family activity as well, is just how you are pursuing kind of like conservation mm-hmm. in your local community. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but what, what are some of the things that you're doing in that area? Because I found it very intriguing and also not only something that, that you're passionate about, but also presents an opportunity for like outside family time, which can also be a huge benefit for any reason. Yeah. So we, so actually for a Lent, I think it was like a year ago, um, we had uh, made the uh, pact anyways, I guess, or like we had made it a priority to pick up trash at least once a week to limit our single use plastic and to um, basically, so not use like plastic bags and things like that when we're packing kids snacks and that kind of stuff. And so ever since, um, 
you know, the, the kids were like all pumped up about it. Um, we have kind of embraced that. And then picking up trash, it sounds like it would be discussing or <laughs> um, like, oh, you're just going to walk the ditches and pick up trash. But it has it, it provides a way for you and your family to like get out there and just spend time together while also bringing attention to like the earth that we take advantage of. And I think last, like two months ago, my daughter found a a bird's nest and in the bird's nest, the bird had used pieces of plastic bag to make their nest. And it just, it just all comes kind of full circle. And there's just so many good lessons that can be taught, I think, by just even walking a ditch and picking up trash um, with your kids and, and to kind of learn what that respect looks like. So where do you go for this? Is this somewhere in your neighborhood or, or outside of that? We have just, I mean, we live down a dirt road, like um, out of town. So there's not really a neighborhood, I would say. But um, we just walk a ditch wherever we are, a ditch or a trail or there's no no special place. Trash is everywhere. Wow. And, and I'm just trying to imagine framing this to my children who are five and eight, soon to be six and nine. Um, so is it, I'm assuming that if you just don't make a big deal of the fact that you're picking up trash, then they'll just follow suit. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's, there can be some wonky stuff in trash, right? Like they're not so good stuff. So we always just kind of wear gloves and we have a trash bag. And especially now, since it's been cold, like we'll just put the trash in the bag, but more so it's not just like, oh my gosh, this is gross. It's more so just, oh my gosh, I can't believe we found this out here. How did this get here? Like, you know, th- those kind of conversations. So you're like kind of like piecing stories together and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Because so, for example, in Minnesota, after hunting season, um, hunting is, or um, at least rifle hunting season, we found a lot of like um, hand warmer packages or actual hand warmers. And it's just so, you know, how that translates to the kids and things like that. Like if you're outside and let's say you're skiing and you're using hand warmers and things like that, like make sure they get in the trash because we can't believe how many we found that people just, you know, whether it was accidentally or, you know, just tossed and it's eye opening. There you go. Kara, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Especially <laughs> now that you have quietness in your home and you're spending your time with me. Um, I really appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you so much for coming on uh, and talking to us about all these things that are going on in your life. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Kara, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, big ups to our sponsors. OS First and Four Sigmatic, two staples for me. When I go on my run, I got OS First on my feet. And when I wake up in the morning, and again, usually in the afternoon as well, I'm drinking Four Sigmatic coffee or their teas. And they have also really good protein powders as well. Just they offer so many different things over there. And it's one of those things where not only do you get the caffeine that you want, but you get more than that, which is always a nice little two-for-one deal. So thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. Go check them out today. Thank you so much for listening, for rating, for reviewing the show, and most importantly, sharing it with your friends. If you could do a favor for me, besides patronizing the sponsors of this show who really make this show happen, that is go send the show to someone that you know who you think can benefit from hearing some of the unbelievable guests that we have on this show. That would really mean so much to me. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.
This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.